Section 16 of Stories Without Tears. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria de Fatima de Silva. Stories Without Tears by Barry Payne. One Hour of Fame. Mr. Batson was a picture frame maker but this is not to say that he actually made picture frames. He procured the mouldings in lengths to his esteemed order from the wholesale place in the city. It was Billant in the workshop down the yard who cut them up and fitted them together. It was Mr. Batson, however, who conducted all the diplomacy of the business, he took the orders, and by the charm of his manner, generally managed to force upon a customer one of the four mouldings which he had in stock. The same charm had occasionally induced artists to deal with him on a cash basis. The charm was reserved strictly for business. In private life, he took an interest that was almost virulent in local politics and not infrequently called his wife a fathead. Herbert Wymondel was a very great man and a fine novelist. Reviewers had compared him with Guy de Maupassant. He was pessimistic and harrowing, yet his appearance did not suggest that he could harrow. He was small and delicate and rather obviously vain. Now a friend of Wymondel's, who was an artist, had presented him with a small landscape. It was entitled The Haunt of the Heron, but in spite of this, the hanging committee at the Royal Academy had been reckless enough to reject it. Wymondel wrote one of the three most graceful letters of thanks that were written that year, and wondered what he should do with that rotten picture. He did not propose to sacrifice any of his valuable wall space to it. His taste was quite perfect, and his rooms advertised it. With the necessity came the opportunity. Wymondel's best friend's eldest daughter announced to the world, through the medium of the Morning Post, her intention of perpetrating almost immediate matrimony. Wymondel decided to bestow upon her the haunt of the heron, and to procure a new but not necessarily expensive frame for it. He walked into Mr. Batson's shop. Mr. Batson's diplomacy was beaten. Wymondel absolutely declined to accept any of the mouldings forced upon him. He was self-assertive and dictatorial, and insisted on seeing the pattern book. And when he had made his selection, he said the thing would be no good unless he could have it finished and delivered at his rooms by the following morning. Batson became impressive. It shall be done, sir. A special messenger will be sent off to our factories and bring back that moulding at once. Then I shall put two of my best men onto it and make them work overtime if need be. You shall have it complete by tomorrow morning. You can depend upon me absolutely. 
and the name and address sir why mondle presented mr batson with his visiting card and paused for a moment to see the delighted smile of recognition spread over mr batson's face the smile not arriving he went out mr batson did not waste much time in reading novels had never heard of herbert wymondel in his life before and except as a customer had not the slightest desire to hear of him again he opened the door at the back of the shop and called down the yard billunt billunt nobody ever called him william hunt appeared from the stable which had been converted into a workshop he was on this occasion to be not only the special messenger but also two of mr batson's best workmen as indicated he being the only man that mr batson employed he was a clever carpenter when his mind was not preoccupied by ambition or his body by intemperance what are you doing asked mr batson tidying up generally said billunt well you take this here drawing and measure it up it's got to be done in four zero seven six and you must go and fetch the stuff from cannon street don't try anything on because i know what the fare is take the gent's card and enter it up in the book and hurry billunt was not sorry to get out of the workshop for a bit on a fine morning but hurry was distasteful to him he took off his apron and put on his coat he then visited an establishment where he could procure a wash a shave ten cigarettes and a decided opinion upon mr lloyd george for threepence halfpenny his appearance being now thirty-three and a third per cent above normal he entered his train on the underground as he had not a first-class ticket it can hardly be necessary to say that he entered a first-class carriage at any rate no one who knew billunt would have expected anything else it happened that opposite to billunt there was seated a young gentleman of refined appearance absorbed in the reading of a six-shilling novel billunt who had the overlooking sense strongly developed observed that the title of the novel was the nethermost pit this merely interested him as being the place to which on saturday nights he sometimes directed mrs hunt to go but he also noted the name of the author herbert wymondel now where on earth had he seen that name before suddenly it dawned on him that was the name of the gent on the card and he had that card in his pocket billunt felt that something ought to be done about it it might be worth a drink or it might not in any case it would form the basis of pleasing conversation and accentuate his sense of his importance he crossed over and sat next the young gentleman hope you're enjoying that little thing of mine said billunt billunt was washed and shaved and was smoking a pride of the harem cigarette it was one of the few occasions of his life 
on which the end of a two-foot rule was not protruding from one of his pockets. Still, he looked like a carpenter. Further, he looked like a carpenter of low morals and irregular manner of life. The young gentleman, begging his pardon, said he did not understand. Billant drew the visiting card from his pocket and presented it. That's me, he said impressively. I did it. Young Mr. Smith was astonished and delighted. Herbert Wymondel had no more enthusiastic admirer, and Mr. Smith was perusing the nethermost pit for the second time. The author did not look in the least like what he would have expected, but this seemed to be evidence of his genuineness. People never do fit in with your preconceived notion of them. Mr. Smith had just time to express his extreme pleasure when the ticket inspector came along. A ticket inspector who had seen Billant once or twice before. Season, said Billant, in an offhand and business-like way. I don't think, said the inspector sardonically. Come on now. Billant produced his ticket. And that's the fault of your bloke at the booking office, he said. I asked him for a first, and I paid for a first, and this is what he gives me. Nobody but yourselves to blame for it this time, anyhow. Pay the difference, said the inspector wearily. Billant fumbled in his pocket. Sorry not to be able to oblige, he said, but I left my sovereign case in my evening clothes, coming back from the opera last night. Smith had not heard all that was said, but he realized the nature of the difficulty. These authors were so absent-minded and careless about money matters. Permit me, Mr. Wymondel, said Smith. You can send it back to me any time. Billant permitted Mr. Smith to appease the ticket inspector and said that with these young boys they employed in the booking office nowadays, mistakes were bound to happen. He then passed one hand over his forehead. This, he felt, would suggest intellect. I wonder, said Smith, if you would mind my speaking about this book. Of course, I know some authors are so sensitive. A bit that way myself, said Billant complacently. Still seeing how you got me out of this little difficulty, I don't know that I ought to be standoffish. I am sure, Mr. Wymondel, that if you knew the tremendous impression that the nethermost pit has made upon me, I am now reading it for the second time. Yes, it is pretty hot stuff, ain't it? said Billant. Ah, you who made it can speak of it jokingly but I know men to whom this book is a positive religion. Men who would envy me the privilege of meeting you in this way. I have often wondered what the genesis of the book was. Genesis, Billant repeated reflectively. Well, that's hardly the kind of thing I should care to talk about in a railway carriage. Besides, it's a longish story. Getting out here? So am I. It's just possible there might be a place nearby where we could discuss it. I don't know if the station has a refreshment room. The station had a refreshment room. 
at the entrance to it billunt hesitated coming out without money like this he said i don't hardly feel as if i ought to but of course said mr smith that's all right in that case said billunt mine will be a drop of scotch at the second drink mr smith ventured to suggest that he would like to hear something about the genesis of the nethermost pit billunt said that genesis reminded him of the name of a horse that he ought to have backed for the grand national it was the only time he had ever left the race alone and it was the only time he had ever been tipped a winner it was funny how these things happened mr smith was young and innocent but he was beginning to have grave suspicions surely a man who wrote like that could not possibly speak like this yes mr wymondel said smith what i wanted to know was how you came to write that book what put the idea of it into your mind then why couldn't you have said so before asked billunt instead of wasting your time and my own with this talk about genesis well i'll tell you the truth the thing came over me all of a sudden like billunt's articulation had ceased to be perfect mr smith looked at him sternly this is fraud he said you are not mr wymondel at all see here my old pal said billunt i'll act fairly by you you stand me one more drink and i'll tell you whether i am or not mr smith was a weak man he stood him one more all right said billunt as he put down his glass you've act like a gentleman to me and i'm going to act like a gentleman to you as a matter of fact i really am mr blymondiwog but i don't look like it and that's been my misfortune all my life shake hands on it old pal billunt had left for the city at eleven in the morning with directions to hurry at twelve he had not returned and mr batson was beginning to be angry at four in the afternoon when billunt staggered into the shop with a quite inordinate amount of the wrong pattern moulding mr batson was almost speechless with fury billunt maintained his dignity he denied absolutely that he was drunk but made the generous concession that he was not strictly sober he said what had happened was that he had simply missed one train after another which might occur to anybody he made a generous offer to mr batson to tell him something that would make him laugh something about a mr my Wondigom, who wrote a book called hell but he was not permitted to remain long enough on the premises to execute his purpose end of section 16